today. We are going to read from Jeremiah 33, a little bit longer passage um, based on what we just read from Jeremiah for the Advent lesson. Jeremiah 33, starting with verse 10. So you can get out your Bible and your phone or your iPad. Jeremiah chapter 33, starting with verse 10. Jeremiah 33, 10. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Yet, in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sound of joy and gladness, the voice of a bride and a bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. This is what the Almighty says in this place desolate and without people or animals. In all the towns there will again be pastures for shepherds to restore, to rest their flocks. In the towns of the hill country of the western foothills and of the Negev and the territory of Benjamin in the villages around Jerusalem and in all the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise that I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. I also want you to listen to a couple of verses from Luke, a couple of characters we don't always associate with Christmas, but they actually are preludes to the Christmas story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, from Luke 1, verse 5. In that time, the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. This is God's word and it's true. And we can rely on it. So I'm curious... What kind of things do you do when you need hope? Do you read the Bible? Say a prayer? Maybe sing a song of praise or listen to songs of praise? Maybe you hang out with people who are hopeful and they help you become hopeful? After reading this passage, I'm going to suggest to you this morning a new way for you to find some hope. We're going to find hope by stump staring. (laughs) 
So I just want you to look at that old stump and see if you can find some hope. How's it working? You know, when I'm making these things up, I wonder how long I can make you all sit there and do nothing. <laughs> how long do you think it would take for something to grow out of this stump? I got it off of a wood pile in my backyard. It was cut down years ago. Would you ever expect something to grow out of that? No, and you could stare at it for a long time and you probably wouldn't see anything grow out of it. One of my favorite writers is a lady named Anne Lamott, and she says this. She says, Hope begins in the dark. And I really like that. I think that's a very fitting Advent kind of quote. That hope begins in the dark and in the cold, in the middle of the night. Hope begins when we don't have any expectation for something to come, when we don't think something can grow out of our dead stump. That's the beginning place for hope. Advent is a season that is really all about promise because we're really looking forward to the day when we get to light that white candle and celebrate the arrival of Jesus and his birth. Until then, Advent does have kind of this tone of cold and dark and love, joy, peace, and hope are still yet to come. We're waiting for them to come. But just as surely as the light from a candle can dispel the darkness, so surely do we believe that God's promises are going to come true. And we're looking forward to the day when we have to wait no more and hope no more because God's promises are realized. All of them, fully realized. But that's not today. Today we're waiting. So this year, I want us to try to discover a little bit more about how to trust God's promises in real time, in real life. How real people with real challenges and real broken hearts and real struggles and real pains, how can we find hope and how can we trust in God's promises even in the midst of life? So I wanted to start by looking at three questions today. And we're going to look at various characters of, from the Bible, the Christmas story this season to try to figure out how they found hope in God's promises. But I got three questions to start with today that kind of come for me out of this reading from the prophet. The first question is this. Can a branch grow out of a stump? One of the images that the Bible uses to help us understand God's promises is the images of stumps and branches. And there's actually two different prophets that bring this up. The first one is the prophet Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah has to say about that. Isaiah says, A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. See what he's saying there? Something's going to grow out of the stump. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. Not just any old branch growing out of this stump, but a fruit-bearing branch is going to grow out of this stump. 
The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise that I made to my people by growing a branch out of the stump. It's going to bear fruit. Jeremiah talks about the same thing. He says, in those days and in that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. That's the stump that Isaiah was talking about, King David's family. Something's going to grow out of that. He will do what is just and right in the land. That's the kind of branch that's going to bear fruit out of that stump. Now, we might find watching a stump dull and uninspiring. The people of God, especially the prophets, thought that it was quite inspiring because they had hope that God's promises were going to be fulfilled. And so they were looking forward to this day when this would happen. Now, if anyone's uh, eminently qualified to talk about this, it would be the prophet Isaiah, because, uh, or the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah got his call to be a, a spokesperson for God at a very young age and in a very difficult time. He received a very difficult message to give to the people. And then for the next 50 years or so, Jeremiah was faithfully proclaiming this message to the people. And the message that he proclaimed to them was not a message they wanted to hear because the message that he was proclaiming to them was about you need to listen to God and you're not listening right now. And so Jeremiah faced unimaginable hardship and pain. It was a very frustrating time. He was friendless. He had no family. He spent time in prison. Uh, he had this thing for getting thrown into pits and wells, something you do to prophets when you don't like what they say. He was physically abused and beat up, mentally, emotionally, spiritually abused. People didn't want to hear what he said. He was so depressed that Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He wrote two books, one is a book of prophecy, the book of Jeremiah, which we read from. The other book is a book of complaints. Maybe some of you have wanted to write a book of complaints sometime. Yet Jeremiah never gives up. He stays the course. He keeps telling the people the message that God has given to them. He says that they've turned from God's ways, and so unless they can turn back, something troubling is going to happen. And this is the kind of thing they did. They rejected the cause of the widow, they didn't take care of orphans. They didn't welcome in the stranger. They chose to follow other gods and worship other gods. They sought comfort for themselves rather than obedience towards God. And they refused to worship God. They refused to follow him or obey him. This is the kind of people that Jeremiah was preaching to. As a result, Jeremiah said, trouble is coming because you have not changed your ways. You're going to be abandoned. You're going to be exiled. You're going to be ruined as a people. He warned them about their land being conquered. He warned them about the temple being destroyed. The priests were going to be silenced. The king was going to be dethroned and disempowered. The land was going to be snatched from the people. And it happened just the way Jeremiah predicted. All these things happened. All that the people were left with was a stump. But Jeremiah, because he knew that God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping kind of God, he did not leave them in their hopelessness. He offered them good news. The final word from Jeremiah was a word of hope because God makes promises and God keeps promises and you can trust them. So Jeremiah says, what has been destroyed 
it will be rebuilt. Jeremiah says, the potter who has taken the clay and destroyed it is going to reshape it into something better. Jeremiah says, the fields that are now empty, there's no animals there. One day they'll be filled with animals once again. One day the shepherd will have to count his sheep again in the pasture. He says that these people who were ruined will one day be a people again. He says this is all true without a doubt because God made a promise. Remember what he said in verse 16? In those days and at that time, I will cause a sprout to come from this stump. And he will do justice and righteousness in the land once again. Someone someday is going to come save God's people. That stump will come to life and God's people will be rescued. And this is how God works because God makes promises and God keeps promises. So, will something grow out of the stump? Yes, it will. And that's what we're waiting for. So we wait with hope, and yet we live in a time when there's lots of trouble and fear and hardship and tragedy and pain, it seems. So this leads to my second question, which is, can hope and fear live together? Can hope and pain, can hope and tragedy, can hope and grief, can these things coexist? So now I want to fast forward about 500 years from Jeremiah to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're still waiting for something to grow out of this stump, by the way. They're looking forward to the day when the Messiah is going to come. They're also waiting for something else. Zechariah and Elizabeth are waiting for a baby. They have longed for a child. And they have waited month after month after month after month. And there's no baby. Just a stump. I haven't personally experienced this kind of fear and pain and tragedy, but maybe some of you have. But I understand it's a really tough one to have that hope every month and then that fear every month. Coexisting. For me, it's an example of that intersection where hope and fear come together. And as if this could be worse, I think it was worse for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a, he's described as a godly man. He was a priest. So can you imagine this? Zechariah praying month after month after month, praying, God, bring me a child. And there's no child. Elizabeth was living in a time and a culture when having children was seen as a blessing from God. And if you were barren, if you had no children, then that was a curse from God. Can you imagine month after month after month the hope this month the curse will be lifted. There's no baby. I can't imagine a more obvious intersection of hopes and fears coming together. Listen one more time to how Luke describes this from Luke chapter 1. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. 
observing all the Lord's commands and degrees blamelessly, but they were childless. Hope and fear, following God perfectly, and yet Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And now they're both very old. This is life, it seems to me, that there's these two tracks that lead through life. And these tracks are hope and fear and joy and sorrow and peace and chaos and joy and tragedy, light and dark, good and evil. These two tracks lead us through our life. There's births and deaths, sometimes right on top of each other. There's weddings and divorces and dreams realized and dreams dashed. Joyous celebrations and intense disappointments. Unexpected blessings and unexpected tragedies. And these befall us, sometimes right at the same intersection, almost at the same moment. We can go from one extreme to another. It seems like this is real life for real people. Jeremiah had hopes and fears. Zechariah and Elizabeth had hopes and fears. We're going to see in the coming weeks that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the innkeeper and King Herod, they all had hopes and fears. I have hopes and fears. Do you? This is life. So it seems to me that the answer is, yeah, something can grow out of the stump, but question number two, can hopes and fears live together at the same intersection? Yeah, they can. This is just reality. Which brings me to my third question, which is, if this is what life is like, can we trust God's promises? Can we trust that in the midst of our hopes and our fears that God's promises are trusted? I want you to listen to what the Bible has to say about this. I'm reading a passage from 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you face trials and troubles of all kinds. This is where our hope lies. There's such a great promise here. Our hope lies in this, that there is Jesus Christ, our great Savior, and in God's mercy, He's given us this inheritance that's never going to be ruined. But I really don't like that next verse. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you might have trouble, you might have trials, you might have pain, you might have tragedy, you might have grief, you might have sorrow. Hopes and fears. Waiting for something to grow out of the stump. At this intersection, God promises salvation and He promises that it's going to be revealed one day. And until that day, 
Can we trust God's promises? Now, the glib, easy answer is, yeah, of course we can, says he who's not in an intersection right now of trouble. But some of you may be, and it's a little tougher pill to swallow. And I'm not sure that I can explain any individual instance of trials or trouble or fear. I'm not sure I can say why this stuff happens in any particular case. But this much I know, and maybe this helps while you're waiting for something to grow out of your stump. Maybe this helps. We sin. And sin is messy. It's messed us up. That's messed up the whole world. It's broken this world. Bad. The world is badly broken. There's lots of darkness and coldness, fear. But God promised to take care of it. He says, I will come and clean up that mess you created. I will fix what is broken. And to do this, God sent his son into the mess. And he enters into our mess so that we can meet Jesus right at the intersection of that hope and that fear. So because of Jesus, I know that God keeps his promises. And I know that I can have hope even in the middle of my fears. And there's one little Christmas song I really like because it touches on this, and it goes like this. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth an everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Can we trust God to keep his promises? Is something going to grow out of that stump? So I invite you this season to find a few ways to try to recognize God at your intersections. And maybe that means coming to these services, coming Christmas Eve and celebrating that with your family. Maybe it means getting a little Advent devotional. There's a lot of great ones, especially if you're an online person. Go out there online and Google Advent uh, lessons about promise and you'll find a bunch of great. I'm getting a daily one that I've just started to read that's really good. Um, maybe you could memorize a verse like 2 Corinthians 1.20 which says every promise of God is yes in Jesus. One verse, maybe memorize that. Every promise of God is yes in Jesus. So maybe there's a few things that could help you. A couple of weeks ago I got to go on a little retreat with some pastors and one of the pastors is a guy named Dave Bartlett and maybe some of you know his story. He's a pastor in Cedar Falls and this past June, his kids were vacationing. He's got a 40-year-old son. And his son and two of his grandkids were killed in an accident in Florida. And his daughter-in-law and one granddaughter survived. And it turned his world upside down. So he was sharing in our retreat about this experience. And he used for one of our devotions this verse from 1 Peter 3. And when he got to verse 6, he said, you know, I hate this verse. You'll rejoice now for a little while, but 
you still have some troubles and some sufferings, some trials of various kinds. He says, I hate that verse. And he was very honest about his grief and his pain and the loss and the brokenness and the hope that he had in the middle of this tragedy. And he said that the reason he had hope, even though he admitted there were times he could not feel God's presence, he was not aware, of, he just couldn't feel it. He was, in such, he was groaning in grief and pain. He trusted God's promises because he had had practice trusting God's promises for many years. And so he said something actually quite in trouble. He says, I never doubted that God still loved me, even in the middle of this tragedy. Because he had hope in the middle of his fear and loss and pain and tragedy. He says that he thinks of trusting God's promises when things are going good as practice for that day when trouble is going to come. And so maybe you can use this little candle and its light burning in the darkness as practice, trusting in God's promises. Or maybe you can use this little stump as practice, trusting God's promises. Or maybe you can use a verse like, every promise of God is yes in Jesus. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for this season. And I'm really looking forward to the work that you're going to do to help us celebrate in the good gift that you give to us and that you're going to walk with us through all of our hopes and fears. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to seal these truths into our hearts. And we pray that you'll carry us now into this year. In Jesus' name, amen.